Hi and welcome to RTB, the podcast from the Northeast Ambulance Service. I'm James Atkinson, a paramedic apprentice, and in this episode, I speak to Jess Boone, a Freedom to Speak Up guardian at NEOS, all about the work that she and her team does to encourage staff to feel able to give feedback about anything that affects them at work. In our conversation, Jess tells me about the lessons that have been learned from the past in this area and what she and her team have been doing to help staff feel free to speak up both now and in the future. So hi Jess, uh, thank you and welcome to RTB. Um, you are the Freedom to Speak Up Guardian for NIAS. Can you tell me a little bit about that role? Yeah, so we we use Freedom to Speak Up and Speaking Up quite interchangeably, um, although they're slightly different things. So Speaking Up is really about colleagues being able to raise any feedback or issues at work and making sure that we use those suggestions as an opportunity for improvement. Um Freedom to Speak Up came about after an inquiry into the Mid-Staffordshire NHS Trust and there was a report produced that led to um, the development of something called the National Guardian's Office and my role as a Freedom to Speak Up guardian and that inquiry found that NHS culture didn't always encourage or support workers to speak up and that patients and staff suffered as a result. So speaking up really is just about making sure that we listen to our colleagues and what they're saying and we'll learn and improve um, on everything we do from what they tell us. You mentioned there about um, what's kind of what it is and obviously when it should be sort of used in terms of learning from our mistakes. How What, what is the process that we should sort of follow to uh, report an incident or speak up? Yeah, so speaking up is always really important and often the best way for a colleague to speak up is to speak to their line manager or a senior manager and often that feedback can be heard and dealt with really quickly. Freedom to speak up is there for when colleagues don't feel able to speak to managers or they might feel like they've not been listened to or had their concerns taken seriously. So I, as Freedom to Speak Up Guardian um, and Paula Gent, as Freedom to Speak Up Deputy Guardian, can be used for advice and support um, to raise concerns. And that might be about anything like patient safety, lack of training, malpractice, culture issues like bullying and harassment or sexual safety concerns. And me and Paula are both impartial, so we don't investigate or make any decisions on cases, but we will always listen to concerns, thank the person for speaking up, because they often have to be really brave to start to raise concerns. We'll signpost, provide support, and we'll work with the trust to ensure concerns are addressed appropriately. And we can escalate concerns at all levels, whether that's speaking to HR, managers, the chief executive, or at board level. And we can escalate outside the organisation if that's required. Because a lot of people, I imagine, if they were in a situation where they were having to report an incident, might be a little bit um, sort of unsure um, or nervous uh, or have doubts about reporting an incident. What sort of things could we sort of think about to sort of encourage us to, to report an incident? Yeah, so I think it's, re- it's really about 
everyone having that responsibility that freedom to speak up is everyone's business you can't kind of rely on I won't say anything because hopefully somebody else does it's really important to have that courage and I'd say at NIAS we've got loads and loads of routes to be able to speak up it doesn't have to be through manager it doesn't have to be through freedom to speak up it might be through quality improvement it might be through the safeguarding team staff experience team there really are lots of ways to kind of raise concerns or feedback Oh, brilliant. You, you mentioned the um, sort of an, the, the was it Staffordshire Trust um, in the past. What sort of other things that have gone wrong in the past that have prompted the need for um, freedom to speak up to be more prevalent in a, in a service? So I think there's lots of things across the NHS. You tend to find that in a lot of the in a lot of the inquiries um, around patient safety that staff knew about concerns way before patient safety incidents happened, and for whatever reason didn't feel safe to speak up and report them in the right way. So freedom to speak up really is just about giving that other avenue, and we support colleagues to speak up openly. So we know who they are, and anyone investigating knows who they are. But we also support them to speak up confidentially where only the freedom to speak up guardians and maybe an investigating manager would know who they are or anonymously as well so nobody not even us as guardians know who they are ah good so it was that process of keeping that kind of anonymous you mentioned there as well about it kind of it's really important for freedom to speak up um to be learning about uh, some of the less like lessons learned and, and moving forward to ensure situations don't happen again what lessons have we learned from the process yeah, so I think we know from staff survey results um, and through lots of conversations that we have with colleagues that people don't always feel safe to speak up or that their concerns will be acted on. So I think as part of our learning and improvement, we've really identified the importance of building a healthy workplace culture, which encourages all colleagues to speak up and makes it just a normal part of their everyday work and life. And we all really have a part to play in building that culture. So for individual colleagues, that's being aware that speaking up is that shared responsibility. The goal being to work better together and reduce harm by raising concerns before they become a problem. Um, For managers, that they have a really key role in building that safe speaking up culture and role modelling those behaviours of really listening when people speak up, as well as speaking up themselves when needed. And positive leadership behaviours really encourage that speak up, listen up culture. And then we've also got the board who have that responsibility for creating a safe culture and environment where colleagues are able to highlight problems and make suggestions for improvement in that we really kind of put that in place and we really make a difference by speaking up um, and making those changes so we do work better together for the interests of um, patients and the people we serve. You make a good point there about obviously the, the, the culture um, and working together of, of sort of freedom to speak up. How can ourselves as, a, as members of the road staff or members of uh, the service as a whole, what can we do personally to, to help change that culture and, and be, be more forward when it comes to reporting incidents? I think it's it's really about having courage. It's really about having courage to say, actually, I think 
I've seen something that's not quite right. And I always say with freedom to speak up, you don't have to have evidence that there's something wrong. If something just doesn't feel right, come and tell us about it because actually we can make sure that that's investigated properly. Um, But it is, it's about having that courage and being open. And I think some of that culture of kindness and openness, just day to day, listening to each other, listening to our colleagues and how they're feeling about work and being supportive to each other all really helps into that culture of speaking up. And just thinking there about the process of what of what you've mentioned, say, say I have a, an incident that I go and report to my line manager um, and, and and do that. What what sort of um, outcome can people sort of expect? It very much depends on the situation, of course. But what, what can we expect that might happen following reporting of an incident? Yeah, so I guess it's really dependent on on what they come to freedom to speak up with, because there really is such a range of things that we get. Um, so often what will happen is we'll have a conversation around confidentiality, who they consent to their information being shared with. We'll really listen to all of the concerns and we'll maybe break them down to think about who might be best in the organisation to either investigate or have we got an HR policy that actually might be supportive the HR can support with. Um, From Freedom to Speak Up point of view, we'll have all of that discussion. We'll kind of get that consent. Okay, these are the next steps and this is what we'll do next. And I think for me, feedback is one of the most important things. So making sure somebody knows when they can expect us to go back to them to say, you know, this is what I've done. These are our next steps. This is when I expect to contact you again. And really keeping in touch through the whole process because often when there's investigations going on, these things take time. It can be quite stressful for the person who's raised concern. So also making sure they've got the right support, whether that's from line manager, occupational health. Um, And again, just keeping in touch with them throughout the whole process. And then when that process comes to an end, we always tend to give them some feedback on the full case. So we tend to take some learning and some actions of what's happened and make sure that's fed back to them. And just thinking about sort of reporting instances you said and giving me some of some of the guidelines that you've mentioned here, is there is there a, a time frame as to when somebody should report an incident? Should it be as as close as possible as, as the incidents occurred, or can somebody you know, is is there like a window of when people should report them? Yeah, so with patient safety incidents, obviously we've got our guidance from the patient safety team about how quickly incidents need to be reported based on how serious they are. But in terms of other incidents and other concerns, maybe if it's around systems and processes or if it's around culture in teams or bullying and harassment, a lot of the time it's when that person feels comfortable and when they feel able to come forward and speak up about it. So as soon as possible is always the best because I think that's often when all the information is the most fresh in your mind. Um, But really it is kind of that down to that personal preference of when you feel ready. And if somebody was to want to submit it anonymously, how would be the process of, of doing that? Yeah, so that's something that we're putting in place at the minute that we should have up and running within the next few weeks. Um, So because we know that colleagues don't always feel safe to speak up, we are introducing an anonymous feedback, um, freedom to speak up form, um, where they'll be able to submit concerns without being identified. There is a little bit of a challenge with anonymous reporting, just because it can be a bit harder to investigate concerns because you can't go back to the person to get other details or other information. But any concerns 
concerns, regardless of how they're raised through freedom to speak up, are taken really seriously. And I, I hope with the anonymous reporting that it'll be a way to build trust in the freedom to speak up process. So the next time that colleague wants to speak up, they can maybe do it openly or confidentially, knowing that they'll be supported in the right way. And you, you just mentioned earlier some of the problems that have happened um, where things have gone wrong in the past in other services. What lessons have been learned within our trust in order to um, better improve freedom of speak up? Yeah, so I think we recognised, um, I started in February this year, and I know okay. previously the Guardian role in the trust had been worked alongside another job role, so there hadn't been quite as much time to do some of the proactive side of the role. And I'd say the proactive side of the role is is really important when it comes to a freedom to speak up Guardian, although handling cases is a really important part, actually kind of raising the profile of freedom to speak up, ensuring colleagues know what will happen if they do speak up, building that trust. Obviously, as guardians, we're in a really privileged position where people will share with us concerns that might be affecting them personally, that could be having an impact on their emotional health. So building that trust is really, really important and being that impartial source of support with really dedicated time um, and with that deputy guardian support is really important. And I think we also have to acknowledge that people have reported previously, they feel as though when they raise a concern, it's either not looked into how they'd hoped or they don't receive feedback on what's investigated and what's changed. So that's something that we're really focused on improving across the trust. So you've just mentioned that you've recently started in February and it's um, it's brilliant to hear that kind of handle that you've got on it and, and what the hopes are, um, which is obviously really good and encouraging for people who um, need to report these incidents. What are your hopes for Freedom of Speech Up for North East Amateur Service looking to the future? I think for most of us, such a large portion of our life is spent at work. And I know from personal experience, work can have such a huge impact on our quality of life and personal well-being. So I think my hopes for the future of Freedom to Speak Up at NIAS is that we continue to strive for a culture of kindness, openness and support across the whole organisation so that ultimately we can improve the best service and um, we could provide that best service to patients and families. I know how important it is to work somewhere where you feel safe to speak up and happy to come into work on a day-to-day basis. And my real personal aim in this new role is to ensure that colleagues are supported to speak up, that we start to remove some of the barriers to speaking up, um, and that we all kind of work towards that positive culture where any concerns or feedback um, is used as an opportunity for learning and development, and that we really truly learn from them and implement change. You made another sorry. You made another interesting comment there about the, the sort of barriers to freedom of speak up. Is there any that you could think of? So, for instance, someone like myself who works operationally on the road, could you think what some of those barriers may be, and what we can do to kind of overcome them in order to feel confident to speak up? Yeah. So I think I think particularly for our road staff. Um, you know, being out on the road, working night shifts, um, not always having kind of that immediate computer access, um, all the time just to pick up the phone when you're out and about. I've I've been there, I worked clinically um in a different role previously, so I really understand some of those pressures around 
you know, when you finish your shift, you just kind of want to go home and switch off from work. So maybe raising concerns isn't right at the front of your mind if you've not had time to do it in your working day. Um, so I think it is it's, it is about finding that time and it is about prioritising. Actually, if you've got a concern, talk about it, because if it's affecting your day to day life at work, actually, you might find that it really helps just to offload that information and actually start to progress a concern that then makes you work in life that little bit easier. So can you just tell me a little bit, Jess, about your uh, background and, and why you were interested in taking on this role? Yeah, so I started my work in life in the NHS about 11 years ago now at the Business Service Authority in Newcastle. Um, and after that, I set off for Birmingham to study midwifery. Um, I qualified as a midwife in 2016 and I worked in the NHS for a little while supporting the births of babies um, and eventually I specialised in infant feeding and worked as a specialist midwife and lactation consultant um, but after I qualified as a midwife I really quickly started to notice the challenges of working on the NHS front line I really felt the impact of poor staffing challenging processes and feeling generally quite unsupported um, which left me unable to provide the patient care that I really wanted to and ultimately I saw the way that impacted patient care and safety and my own well-being so I think initially when I saw the freedom to speak up guardian role being introduced I'd wondered whether it would have any meaningful impact but the more that I thought about having the opportunity to create positive change and to ensure colleagues who were in the position that I faced when I first entered the NHS um, and are currently facing the challenges now that I faced previously, the more I became really interested in being part of that change and really being able to support people who had concerns or were facing difficulties like I faced. How do you feel your background there as a sort of midwife, you know, through your training and, and qualifying as a midwife and then coming towards the ambulance service? How do you think that experience of the different services benefits your your time here with NIAS in this role? So I think there's there's obviously a number of similarities within the ambulance service and the acute kind of NHS trust, but they are also dramatically different. Um, and I don't think <laughs> I've quite quite accounted for how different they would be. I think I think my background, having that clinical work and being a midwife and a paramedic or CCA, ACA are obviously very different. Um, but I think having that clinical background and just having faced those challenges that ultimately we all face across the NHS um, really helps with that empathy and understanding when I get colleagues kind of come to me to talk about kind of some of the challenges or some of the concerns they have in their role. I think I am able to to understand that a bit more with that clinical background. And we just we mentioned sort of throughout the conversation that there's a broad spectrum of of issues that we might come across that might warrant a freedom of speak up um, uh, sort of uh, report. Is is there anything that's sort of too big or too small in terms of reporting incidents? There really isn't. Uh, we talk about freedom to speak up as being anything that affects someone at work, whether it's big or small, whether it matters just to you or to a wider group of people, you know, come and talk to us about it. We can give you advice. We can give you support. We can signpost you. Sometimes, you know, if it's something very individual to one person, it can be de- 
better dealt with by um, HR or an HR process, or it might be a safeguarding issue that we need to involve the safeguarding team with. There really is anything. We really are there to help say, you know, actually this person might be best placed to deal with this. Um, And all that time, we'll still keep a freedom to speak up case open. So we'll still continue to provide that support, regardless of whether actually somebody else is leading an investigation or kind of leading some support in a different way. And obviously I'm, so I'm operational. So I see um, lots of things on the road working uh, on an ambulance, but our service incorporates a whole range of uh, roles and responsibilities that have a, you know, a a broad um, score of practice. And it's just important for, for everybody in the service to be vigilant and report these instances as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Freedom to speak up really is for everyone. I think, you know, it's it's not just for our unscheduled care PTS colleagues, um, not just our clinical colleagues. It's also for support services. We also can support students, volunteers, um, third sector providers that have contracts with NIAS. It really is for anyone um, where they feel there might be a risk or an issue with the service we're providing as a trust that raising that feedback might help us provide a better service and just finally is there a way of um finding out feedback as a whole across the service or is it isolated to an instant and that personal is is it so is it shared across the whole service so that people can find out what's gone wrong in other areas and, and learn from them yeah, so that's something that we're working on improving at the minute um, and we're trying to bring lots of teams together to help look at kind of feedback as a whole and kind of how we learn and develop. The challenge can be with Freedom to Speak Up is it's highly confidential. Yes. Um, our case numbers are increasing, which is a really, really good thing. Um, and it means that we can kind of theme things a little bit more easily. So whenever we do any reporting within Freedom to Speak Up, we make sure it's highly anonymized so that no cases at all can be identified from the information we provide and obviously the more cases we get through the better we can anonymize those cases and the better themes we can provide so that's definitely something we're working on and you just mentioned something earlier it might not be related specifically to freedom of speak up but you mentioned the staff survey report um, and how you're learning from from that how is important how important is it that staff complete the, the survey so that you can gain uh, an insight to how people are dealing with incidents and, and feelings at work it's really important and I'd say it's probably one of the best ways that as an organisation we understand how our colleagues are feeling Um, you know we get relatively good numbers completing the survey but I think it's really important that people take that really short period of time to give some feedback on how they're feeling at work Um, it's a really really good indicator for us about how we're doing that's brilliant thank you very much for your time Jess and uh, thank you for joining us on RTB Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to RTB. Please like the show in your podcast app. And if you have the time, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. If you'd like to get in touch about anything you've heard on RTB, or you want to suggest a topic for us to cover in a future episode, you can email us at public.relations at neas.nhs.uk.